Hey guys, I am super stoked to let you know that longtime friend of the show and all around great dude, Christopher Moreno, has become the first regular sponsor of the Liberty Tree podcast. Chris is a realtor at Surterre Properties in Orange County, California, and he specializes in residential real estate. I have personally known Chris since I was 18 years old and can say without hesitation that he is one of the most honorable and loyal friends that I have ever had. If you were to hang out with Chris for five minutes, you would see that other people feel the exact same way about Chris. He's probably one of the most likable people on the planet, and it's no shock that he's in the top 1% of realtors in Orange County. You know, we talk a lot on this show about the dismal state of affairs here in California, and from time to time, I entertain the idea of moving to another state. But at the end of the day, I always come back to the idea that I'm just too much of a stubborn prick to leave. You know what I mean? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving! Let's face it, the socialists are coming for every red corner of every purple state, and they are not leaving any rock unturned. If we want an end to tyranny, we need to fight it right here where we stand, and we have to destroy it. So, if you want to come to California and help us fight this fight, or if you're already in California and you just want to relocate and live in a more conservative community than you currently do, Orange County might be the place for you. And Chris Moreno is definitely the guy to help you do that. Chris and his team bust their asses for all of their clients, from condos to oceanfront homes, bungalows to Bayside. No matter your criteria, Chris will work to get you and your family into the right place for you guys. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. <coughs> now look, here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. It's about time.
hope some apologies are in order. What a great song. Isn't it? There's, I couldn't, I know what my favorite Boston song is, but that everything one. else is, there's like a 20 way second, <laughs> second place. <laughs> 20 way tie for second. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that is my favorite Boston song. What's yours? Uh, we're ready off third stage, which oh, is right, like the right. not cool album. Yeah. Which I'm kind of, I'm notorious for getting into the not, not yeah. cool. Uh, I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's a great album. And they had, uh, after that, Walk On, which didn't have a drummer. It was all done with a drum machine. And it was like some of the greatest Boston huh. songs you've ever heard. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that about that. Which one is Amanda from? That's off Third Stage. Okay. Yeah, that's the first, that's the title track, or the first song. And We're Ready is the second song on there. And those both of those songs are so good. Just epic. Yeah, totally. I was dating a girl named Amanda, I think, when I was in my heaviest Boston stage. For that reason. Stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she wasn't that attractive or anything, and I just uh, was really in Boston. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, wow, your name is Amanda? That's so I'm rare. In. I'm in. in. <laughs> I was going to do uh, freaking, you know, what's been stuck in my head basically for the last, four weeks mm -hmm. is Kenny. That's Loggins. how I actually, what's funny. That's how I met my wife, Aqualung because of the Jethro Tull song. And, oh, cause she was in the iron lung. Correct. Yeah. For all that time. Yeah. 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 Totally. Little, little known fact. Yeah. Love at first sight though. Right. Oh, I had to be, I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't seen her. I just saw the name and but that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> so Kenny Loggins has been stuck in my head because junior recently discovered top gun. Oh, so you, you know the status of this house for the last two months. I know. Yes. Well, okay. that's why we started watching Top Gun because right. your boy was watching <clears throat> Top Gun. But we haven't watched the new one yet. Oh. He doesn't want to for some reason. He's really? actually like afraid of movies. He has to know the outcome of the movie by forcing himself to sit through it and be like Three Amigos, our favorite movie now. Uh, he wanted me to shut it off the whole time. Really? Because he's afraid of... Uh, El Guapo and right. Jefe and finally when we re he realized that the good guys it win all, it all ends end, well yeah then now we can't stop watching it but now on his like favorite playlist that we listen to in the car Danger Zone oh god is the go to song <laughs> every morning and so <laughs> every morning we're like three months straight every I'm not I got yeah. I just got my Spotify with their, your wrapped list. Or <laughs> this is what you listen to this <laughs> yes. year. One goddamn song. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Have you considered therapy? Here's a few phone numbers to local therapists in your area. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's still going. Still, so yeah, and we watch some the movie nights, at least three times a week. Some nights he only wants to be called Top Gun Maverick. Mm -hmm. That's his nickname. You're Steve. Now. Yes. And he goes, and you can be Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm pretty sure there's no you, Steve in the movie. <laughs> uh, you were pretty tuned up last podcast, yeah? Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. Told, he told that story. On the podcast? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. I didn't tell it to you in private? No, we don't talk outside of this anymore because we save everything for the podcast. I can't tell. Dude, I was pretty drunk last <laughs> podcast where I was listening back to it and I was a little bit cringing at the uh, tangents I was letting myself go off on. Uh, 
Yeah, as opposed to the other episodes that we do. Not that kind of tangent. Like mental. Not just, just you. I mean, this is what we do. We just go on tangents. Yeah. No, not tangents on topic. Just tangents like drifting from the point of the story to just like pursue these little mental kind of right. tangential threads. James brought up, brought up the best. You, you'll argue weird, obscure points that are so nuanced that are like almost irrelevant to the conversation. Yeah, totally. I was doing that. I was I was seriously cringing. So really? apolo- yeah. Nah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> Apologies. It was good. Um I got a lot to talk about. I don't think I'm gonna get to hardly any of it. So do I. Actually. Really? Yeah. You want to Rochambeau for who goes first? You go ahead. You sure? Yeah. All right. Let I'm me feeling, fu- feeling charitable. It's the holidays. <laughs> wow. Look who's turning over a new leaf. <laughs> <laughs> actually, so I just saw this article. <laughs> Good morning. Um, well, how about this? You want to go uh, uh, vaccine? Sure. Brazil? FBI? What do you feel like? Or random uh, let's conspiracy do, theories? Let's do vaccine. Okay. So I just saw an article this morning that the uh, FDA, did I not make a note to it? The FDA recently, oh, I did it right here, has linked the Pfizer vaccine to blood clots. Ah, that's so, so I I have some stuff on this. Did you see that? I did. So to anyone out there who might be doubting um, things like blood clots being related to the vaccine or people dying suddenly also being related to the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, basically uh, researchers at the FDA have admitted that there are there's definitely one um, in this study. They came up with four different negative externalities from the vaccine. Only one of them they determined to be statistically significant. And that was basically uh, pulmonary embolism, blood clotting in the lungs. Right. The other three, though, lack of oxygen to the heart, a blood platelet disorder called immune thrombocytopenia. That's weird because that was on the list of potential names when my son was being born. I was thinking maybe the new coffee company that we oh launch could be. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thrombocytopenia, another type of clotting called intravascular coagulation. Great death metal band name right there. <laughs> so it turns out all of those actually were um, adverse reactions to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And only due to like their... They, they determine them not to be statistically significant, mainly because those things show up in other vaccines, like the flu vaccine. Which is also so, not a vaccine. <laughs> so it's not that they aren't happening. It's just that they don't find it stati- statistically uh, an abnormality from the Pfizer vaccine itself. You get that shit from all the vaccines. Yeah. So, um, and then the... I was also seeing that that corroborates the concerns of... Um, as this is using their quote of doctors that the large uptick in blood clots progression of arthrosclerotic sclerotic heart disease and blood disorders is independently associated with COVID-19 vaccination. 
and they reached out to Pfizer for comment, who did not respond. Yeah, neither did Moderna or Johnson and Johnson, even though they were not uh, caught up in this specific study. But yes. what's interesting about this is that so for the, as far as resources, these are from the FDA researchers. This is yes. not something that someone told me after work, for example. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, guess what, motherfucker? This shit is happening. And maybe the movie was a little bit sensational, but it is a documentary. That's what documentaries do. Point to one that's not somewhat sensational. Here's a fucking article that is saying exactly what was being said in that movie. And had they actually done trials on this vaccine before forcing it on people, then maybe stuff like this would have come out. All right? It just... It's not shocking to me that as time goes on, then now they're actually doing the fucking <clears throat> studies that they should have done before they approved this for everyone's use, that this stuff would have come out and maybe we would have been a little bit more prepared and people wouldn't be dying suddenly from it. And it just, I mean, furthermore, the only vaccine that is not, um, that is approved and not approved under emergency orders is the Moderna vaccine. All right, the Johnson and Johnson and the Pfizer one are still being used under emergency order. Not to mention all of the boosters. All right, this stuff is supposed to be studied and tested before it's launched on the people. And now look what's happening. They are going back and finally studying it, and lo and behold, they're finding alarming rates of uh, adverse effects. Yeah. Not to mention, also, I was having a conversation with someone who's pretty well versed in all of this stuff, and is actually was a medical professional, but is very open minded about about things. And I was explaining some of these things. I'm like, yeah, it's I'm really starting to hear about more of this. You know, they're not they're very kind of blue pilled, I guess you would say. And I'm like, and then when you couple that with the CDC changing the definitions right before the vaccine rollout changing the definitions of vaccine, vaccination, herd immunity, and then uh, the PIC categories with the CDC, you know, combining pneumonia and influenza and the, and the COVID virus. And I'm like, and then you look at written into the vaccine rollout that um, there was legislation passed that shielded vaccine companies from of all financial liability down the road, mm-hmm. which... I'm just, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I'm just kind of spitting out like redundant things that everyone knows. And like, I've never heard of that. Right. You've never heard of that. Did you hear about the FDA voting to not recommend booster shots for people under 16 years old or 16 and over? Mm -hmm. I mean, that that happened during the, you know, pandemic a few years ago. But still, the, the FDA themselves voted to not recommend these boosters. It was that risky. Yeah. For people 16 years and older. And yet, what is the the government, these political elite psychopaths around us, what are they doing? They're creating propaganda to get your six-month-old vaccinated. And trying to tie it to the, to the school vaccination schedule. So it'll be tied in to the polio vaccine and all, those, all the other ones that, that kids are required to have to go to school. They're still trying to push that through as legisl- legislation. Exactly. <clears throat> How long have you had this? I don't know. When, when was that Who Let the Dogs Out song? You've had this since 1999? You know when Who Let the Dogs Out came out? It's a song about dogs and letting them out. 
I could have you arrested for breaking in here. Carter, you've discovered the holy grail of modern medicine. Why the hell would you keep it buried like this? I'll tell you why. Because there's far more money to be made in treating a disease than in curing it. Why cure someone of cancer in a day if we can treat them for a lifetime and bill them every step along the way? What? That's insane! Carter, what you're doing here is criminal, and I'm going to tell the whole world about it. Is that right? Who's going to believe you? The Internet? You'll be just another nutjob left-wing blogger. Security! Everything's fine! No, it isn't! Get in here! It's ominous how the family guy and the Simpsons seem to predict things. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty spot there, on. There are like compilations that you can find out of like... Uh, you know, 150 things that the Simpsons <laughs> predicted perfectly. Totally. Or maybe we just live in a fucking clown world. That we do. Um, so do you know who uh, Joseph Freeman is? Mm-mm. So he's an emergency room doctor, I believe in Florida, but he is, um, he has been very uh, outspoken about the adverse effects mm-hmm. of the vaccine. And that is a list that is growing. I'm seeing more and more people that said it. Yep. That qual- qualify with what they're saying is I was all in that the vaccines were a good idea. And just as a emergency room doctor or a pediatrician, I'm just, I got to, I'm not even choosing a side. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing right now. Right. So this guy, um, this guy was recently on this uh, panel discussion in Florida, and uh, he was talking with uh, Ron DeSantis was there, and um, I think Ron DeSantis actually is the one that put it all together. And he was talking Ooh, about Ron DeSantis is kind of starting to be more vocal about um, coming after the pharmaceutical companies that manufactured the vaccine for either obscuring, hiding, or just providing false information about the safety and effectiveness. Yeah, dude, he's going pretty hard in the paint. <clears throat> um, so, uh, Dr. Freeman, so you've been looking at this issue. Yeah. Um, if someone came up to you and just said, you know, hey, doctor, are mRNA COVID shots safe and effective, how would you respond? Well, if our mRNA shots are... Uh, safe and effective well i would say that from the day that these were authorized in december there was uncertainty on if they were going if the benefits were going to outweigh the harm we didn't know we did not know that it's not possible to have known that at that time there were four people i believe who voted against authorizing it that day in a climate of when everyone was scared almost everyone to vote no on that would have been is so there's uncertainty there was definitely uncertainty on young people people with no risk factors that's clear there was uncertainty when we authorized the booster that is clear we had all the scientists in or nearly all vote to not authorize it they voted against authorizing it then the fda came back and said okay how about just in over 65 then they said yes we'll do it in over 65 then the cdc two to three weeks later tries to Authorize the booster for all ages. They scientists advisory board votes against it. All right. So it just again, what we talk about, if this was actually a vaccine, if it was actually saving people's lives, people would be lining up for it. Mm-hmm. Here you have the very people that are pushing it 
getting cold feet and being like, Jesus, I don't think we can right. recommend this. And so they tell the CDC, we don't recommend it. The CDC recommends it anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that sound like a life-saving vaccine to you? <laughs> when, so I'm going somewhere with this. How old is that video? Is that recent? A week. Okay. Yeah. A week. Two weeks max. I think just a week. So I have something new. Newer than that? This is our new breaking news segment. Okay. Right? And the reason why I'm playing this is that we were joking last episode about like, uh, we just kind of ignore things. The Kanye thing. We, you develop this fatigue. I was like, I'm, just, I'm not really... I don't know. I just see it everywhere and I'm just become numb to it. And then three weeks later, we're like, you know what's interesting about that whole thing? And then we end up doing like a deep dive on this. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were joking about Liberty Tree. <laughs> you hear it? Do, 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 do. Second, third, maybe last. <laughs> but the reason why I bring that up though is I started compiling a list of articles beginning with the Pfizer. Uh, link to the blood clots. This is using the FDA's information, right? And that article, that came out this week. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at data, started going through just notes that I had about stuff. Like, we were saying this like a year and a half ago, even if it was like generalized. I was like, I think the spike protein stuff, I'm, you know, we're looking at some of the blood, we're looking at these scientists that are being censored. When I see someone being censored up deplatformed, I'm like, I'm definitely going to look at what he's saying, which is why you shouldn't censor deplatform people, fucking morons. And then I started making more and more lists of things. So this, what you're talking about with DeSantis and what's this physician's name? John Freeman. Yeah. Joseph Joseph Freeman. So it's kind of funny. It it kind of came full circle uh, to some extent because we were poking fun at ourselves. Like, yeah, we're kind of like, three weeks late on some of this stuff just because we become interested in it later, you know, or we want to wait and we just like, let the dust settle, figure out how this goes. I was like, but a lot of the, like the main stuff, the stuff that we really try to hit, I mean, compared to just the corporate media complex, we're like two years ahead of the curve, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, that is funny. That's a good yeah. point. I mean, not because we're getting this information from other people. It's not just us. We're, we right. just, we kind of choose what we take in and decipher and what we choose to believe. And no, it, we do very little investigative journalism. <laughs> yes. Almost none. You could say, <laughs> well, it's like, it's so <clears throat> it, it seems also like we're behind the curve on this kind of stuff, partially because we've been talking about it for so goddamn long. Right. But this, the reason that they just had this panel discussion on this is because the shit isn't going away. Mm-hmm. And DeSantis knows that. He knows that there's still a fight out yeah. there to be had against the, what do you call the, the the big pharma industrial complex, the collusion of government and big pharma. Yeah. All right. This fight is still uh, happening. That's called, uh, there's, it's, uh, it's not fascism. Oh, yeah, that is fascism. It is fascism. <laughs> and a lot of people will mistake that for, no, that's just capitalism. No, it's not capitalism. It's crony capitalism. Capitalism is the free market. When you have big business, in this case, big pharma, colluding with government, that is fascism. It yep. is the textbook definition. Look it up. These people are after us still. I thought okay. that was just people that didn't like Drag Queen Story Hour. The masks are coming back. Yes. And they're not letting go of this vaccination <clears throat> thing. In fact, it, that's why it's, it's, we're talking about it. It is constantly coming up in the news. Right. These, did you have something that you needed to... Uh, I was going to go back to this clip 
Uh, well, I was going to say that um, I had an interesting dis- discussion about, I was like, well, we had predicted, I was like, masks, masks are coming back. And, yes. And what they're going to do just about, and like where I think they will get more aggressive with the, uh, the talk about vaccine mandates and boosters is now they are combining all of these categories into one. It's going to be flu, the RSV and COVID. And we said this a couple of weeks ago and they're saying like, well, now the hospitals are overrun. I'm like, where have I fucking heard that before? Yeah. Yep. They so overrun that you guys are making fucking TikTok videos and they are going to say, and so now like things that are completely common, dude, I have a lot of stuff on this, but now they're just saying that things these are completely commonplace, like the flu and RSV. They're saying like, oh, yeah, well, that's the reason why we need more masks. I'm like, I have been through, you know, a flu season every year of my life. No one ever talked about masking. All right. <clears throat> this person I was talking about, was like, you know well, why? why? Because it doesn't work. Because it doesn't work. And they've work. known that for a long fucking time. Well, no. Do you know why? Okay. <laughs> Do you actually know why? Why? No. Why did people? Yeah. Why? Yes. Tell me. The reason is because someone posed me that question. Well, look, why? Then why? I'm like, and masks don't even work. And they're like, why? Why are they making you wear them? Yeah, I was like, because what it is, this is an authoritarian power grab. It's subjugation. It's trying to scare people. And once people realize what we call the walk out the front door test, you know, which happened in the middle of the pandemic narrative, you walk out, you're like, I don't know. And they saw the power slipping. They saw the narrative collapsing on itself. And so they got super aggressive about masks. What masks are is a visual representation of compliance. Mm-hmm. It's like we need to have a people look around and see their neighbors wearing masks. Like it's a reminder. Like this it's is scary. Only we have the solutions. Yeah. No. The reason that we didn't wear masks before when we had the flu is because we've known for a very long time, based on hundreds of studies, that masks don't work. The reason that we are being forced to wear masks now has nothing to do with yep. their effectiveness and everything to do with what you just said, compliance. And that is speaking. The, that is the friends that I've lost over this who said like, just I don't know, it's not a big deal. Just just wear the mask. Well, speaking of, just wear the mask. Yeah, exactly. Just, well, just, just get the vaccine. Just take the booster. Just tell them. Just tell them they're hiding in the attic. Dude, what's the fucking big deal? Just it's not a big deal. Yeah, just do it. You're not Jewish. What do you care? All right. Well, yeah. The sp- speaking of all of that, like oh, the overrunning of hospitals. Um, in the in that article about the FDA, uh finding problems with the the vaccines, Mm -hmm. Peter McCullough was asked about it, and he said that he's afraid that what's actually going to happen, there is going to be a burden on the healthcare system as a healthcare system as a consequence of the mass indiscriminate COVID-19 vaccination. His critique of this study was that, he says, the shortcoming of the CMS surveillance system is that it did not capture prior and subsequent COVID infection which accentuate the cumulative risk of COVID-19 vaccination. Mm-hmm. So being getting infected before and after the vaccination actually increases the risk of all these things happening. And this study didn't really look into that. Right. Given the large number of individuals who have been vaccinated, the population attributable fraction of medical problems ascribed to the vaccines is enormous, meaning it's beyond just what the vaccine itself causes when you couple mm-hmm. that with your infection of COVID, which we know happens mm-hmm. all the time. I right. mean, it is, at this point, it's a pandemic, if you can use that term, of the vaccinated, 
right? It's the opposite of what they said. He said, I have concerns. And to my friends who are vaccinated, you are looking at a severe winter of illness and death. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> yeah, man. And so, yeah. And then, so yeah, the masks are exactly, you know, linked to that. And they're just telling you, just like they're saying with the vaccine. I mean, I've had people tell me, why just get the vaccine? Why wouldn't you get it? Don't you want to go do the things that you can't do if you're not vaccinated? It's like, it's like what number one, what are those things at this point? Yeah, at this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, no, I'm not risking death <laughs> to, to take this experimental drug. God for, or, you know, I'll be goddamned if I'm going to give it to my kid. Hell no. You're out of your mind if you give this stuff to your kid. So on that note, so this is kind of an introductory thing. I mean, we already look at this stuff, but. Tonight, a growing number of medical centers nationwide, including Albuquerque's UNM Hospital, are in need of a lifeline. RSV, flu, and COVID cases, the feared triple-demic, all converging. Triple-demic. Triple-demic. It's going. So we had predicted before, this was kind of, relates to what you were saying is that um we had predicted i mean it's kind of an easy prediction so i don't want to like celebrate about it but they they were going to combine covid the flu and rsv and they're going to talk about the start all the roll out all the usual scare tactics and what would be the most ominous about it is that the way that all of media would pick up the narrative and kind of in concert in synchrony all kind of say the same things at the same time. I mean, I came, I've lost count of how many times that we've picked this and we are already seeing that. I mean, just type in flu hospitals overrun into dildo and you'll see what comes out. And then I was looking at some of these articles. So they're talking about the centers for, so you talked about the flu, like the flu is a, is a bitch right now. Like it's a real thing. People are sick. My son is sick right now and I am, not sick, but psychotic because I haven't slept in three days because he won't stop sleeping. And I worry. You mean he won't stop coughing? He just keeps coughing, yeah. and which means I don't sleep, you know, because I want to keep an eye on him and make sure that he's breathing okay and everything. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said in its latest report, December 9th, influenza activity is high nationwide. So far, the esti- agency estimates that there have been 13 million illnesses in this year alone. 120,000 hospitalizations and 7,300 deaths. And what they're talking about is that as pandemic restrictions ease, the flu activity rebounded in the 2021-2022 season. Right, because their restrictions were keeping everyone from getting the flu. Right. right? <laughs> yes. Sure they were. Because before that... God I mean, damn they, it. They, they just can't, they can't help themselves, but just they have yeah. to lie about this stuff. They have to trick us or else they're going to jail. Yeah. You know, they know yeah. that what they're doing is so corrupt that now it's, and it's just like you predicted with long COVID. Yeah. That, we that said, all of these excess deaths are going to be attributed to long COVID. Which sure enough, you sent us that article. Seeing, we're just seeing the beginning of, uh, beginnings of that. So the, the one prediction we had where they're going to combine those three illnesses, put it into one, talking about just one big fear porn narrative and talk about hospitals being overrun. And then they're going to re-recommend masking and even lockdowns. That is happening. I mean, yes. that's in, you know, Washington Post and New York Times at this point. So then the other one where they start taking all these vaccine adverse events, you know, like the heart attacks and the seizures and the blood clots, 
And they're going to say, like, no, no, that's all from long COVID. We're, I think we're just seeing the beginning of that. I saw the first article of that on CNN uh, just a couple days ago. Yeah. So I was telling my wife about it, and she goes, I was getting out of the shower to go to work, and she goes, uh, I got something you should look at. <laughs> so I'm like, here we go. We're ahead of schedule a little bit. So, but as far as the, think about it like this, just just from your, like, just what we know intuitively about our bodies and about health is that, like I said, the flu is, is nailing us right now. Like I know a lot of people that have been sick for two, three weeks. Like I, there's no doubt in my mind that this flu thing is real, right? If you wanted to wreck your immune system, here's what I would tell people to do. Stay indoors. I would mm-hmm. have them close down parks, beaches, and gyms. Um, if someone went on the internet and said, hey, take vitamin E, take your zinc, get your cardio up, eat real whole foods and have a balanced diet, I would have that person demonized as like an anti-vaxxer or a white supremacist or a Nazi or whatever, have them thrown off, censored on the internet. I would close down the schools. I would close down businesses. The businesses that I left open, like, oddly enough, multinational <laughs> giant corporations, only, I'd only close down small businesses, but those businesses that were open, I'd have giant vats of hand sanitizer at the door in every register, just like slather, get those on your hands, all the, you know, your mask, get hand sanitizer on there, just kill those fucking, that natural like biome that you have. I would develop some sort of way that you could capture the, like when your body's trying to, um, like cough out the negative stuff that's like in a way your to lungs. Trap it. I would trap it. I'd trap it. Right yeah. in front yeah. of my face. Exactly. And just like, have it sit there. Just sit there. Alone in your car. I would, especially in your car when you're by yourself. Yes. <laughs> Turn off the AC, <laughs> roll up the windows. And I would commit, uh, you know, we all know that stressors, I mean, when you do get sick, it's you, typically unless you get nailed by a bug. But when you are stressed out, you are opened up. You're, you hammer your immune system to get sick. So I'd commit millions of dollars into the, one of the world's largest media campaigns to peddle complete fear porn 24-7 mm-hmm. and keep them in a constant state of anxiety and depression. So much so that now you are at odds with your neighbor or family members. So now you have this ongoing anxiety and just weird depression around you all the time. Yeah. What a perfect a good way, way to, to just ruin. So we did all that. And now we're talking about, like, it's insane how strong the flu is this year. Like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Like, what would, did, did anyone do the math on this thing? Right. I know we, we're, we sound like broken records at this point, but uh, it's, it, you still run up against resistance to all this stuff. And so I feel like it's our duty to keep talking about it and putting the message out there that basically this is the message. COVID-19 is not really a thing anymore. It never was. And everyone was going to survive it anyways. That's bullshit. That exact same sentence came out of President Biden's mouth just like two months ago. So shut the fuck up. Number two, masks don't work. Do not work. They never have. They never will. It's just not going to stop a respiratory virus from getting out of your body unless you're wearing a gas mask. And here's the only and nobody thing, out there is. Here's the only the thing masks do is it announces to everyone else that you didn't vote for Trump. And we get it. We got it by now. I can assume it. I just, I can yeah. pick it up. Like, And we don't care, obviously enough. <laughs> so just take the fucking mask off. And the third thing is that the vaccines are way more harmful than they are beneficial. And that while there may be some benefit 
to them for certain segments of the population, mm-hmm. I would say that that's a pretty small segment, but they are, for most of us, they are way more dangerous than they are helpful. Right. And so we have to keep saying those things and keep coming back with evidence and other people that are supporting it so that the rest of you out there don't feel like you're the insane person. Right. Right. And when you're at your Christmas dinner, you're not the one that's crazy. They are. You can count on us to have your back on that. I'm sorry we can't be there with you. Although if you send us an invite, maybe we'll see what we can do. <laughs> it's a busy time of year for all of us. But um, uh, Turkey's a deal breaker, by the way. Like, would he like prime rib, something? So on that note, this is more of what that uh, Joseph Freeman guy was saying about how fucked up the vaccine rollout was and how dangerous these vaccines actually were. Percent increase in, in the number of serious adverse eyes. In the Pfizer trial, the first, first vaccine to go through, it was a 37% increase in, in the number of serious adverse events. That was never reported, not by the FDA, not by Pfizer. In fact, this guy's from uh, InfoWars. Pfizer says... <laughs> I may get it verbatim wrong, but they said the incidence of serious adverse events are similar in the vaccine and placebo group. 37% increase is not similar. It's actually statistically significantly different. So how that happened is is difficult to understand, but um, it did happen. Then once we got past that phase of the study, we actually do the reanalysis of what we're trying to do. It turns out when with both Pfizer and Moderna, we had a one in 800 risk of serious adverse events of these are from that list. So now to understand what a one in 800 means, consider that our other vaccines have about a one in a million, one in a million, (laughs) maybe two in a million. This is not the same sort of safe. This is a one in 800 is disastrous if true. And so stop that for a second. Um, so he's talking about that our traditional, what we know as the vaccines, the ones that we all grew up getting, you know, ones that we were required to go to school. And then they have that vaccine, um, adverse event. Uh, they have a vaccine court, right? And yes. even they're saying like roughly it's estimated that 1% of adverse vaccine effects actually get reported and they have. Yeah. And they, explain that and they, because and, and, the reporting uh, to the VAERS system right. is voluntary. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do it, but it's usually healthcare people. Mm-hmm. So it, what it takes a lot to do it. When you've listened to nurses yeah. that say that they've actually done the VAERS reporting, it takes them a ton of paperwork, a ton of time. So they estimate, I think correctly, that the adverse effects are way underreported. So they right. have to, that's why you said that 1% and, thing, they have to estimate that it's like a 10 or 100 fold. And weight. then you have to couple on the fact that some of the, and I don't want to, well, I'm going to say I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Then we jumped that hurdle months ago. But when you are trying to quantify something as abstract as like being on the spectrum, for example, or autism, something that might not show up till like the later later years of a kid's life, that's very hard to use mm-hmm. as a metric to basically sue someone you know, go yeah. to this vaccine court. So it's a very, very complicated, very abstract, very complex um, kind of system. Therefore, very little, little, little of it getting actually going through the system officially and being quantified as a number. But think about that number. So if- especially because you don't have the agency, the government 
state-run agency that's supposed to be protecting us giving a shit no, about it's, this it's overseeing itself. Right, the exactly. C- the CDC is, a, is an arm of the U.S. government. The only way that we know there's adverse effects is if people voluntarily report them. And also, if you look up what the CDC does and where it gets its funding and the patents that it holds, the CDC is essentially two parts. It's it's half government government appointed bureaucrats, and it's half a vaccine company. It owns packs, it owns right. patents on on vaccines. So on fifty, they have patents on fifty vaccines. So what the CDC essentially is, it's a perfect hybrid of the government and pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> so good luck in vaccine court if you think you have a claim. Like yeah. they are overseeing themselves. But think to go back to that number you're talking about is that we're talking about. Um, with people that had the vaccine. And, you know, sorry, just if they were actually convicted in vaccine court, they're kind of like an insurance company. They yeah. know that they have to show a certain it's number of losses. It's, the right? guy, it's like the guy so, we talked to you about life insurance. Exactly. Goes, the house always wins. Like, right. We've been in business okay. for a reason. So they have a product that the government is either purchasing directly from them yeah. or forcing us to purchase yeah. from them. They can easily just factor in the cost of, you know, the 1% of cases that right. actually get uh, litigated and that they lose. Yeah. That's just worked in, that's baked into the cake. It's, they have nothing to fear. It's like a company um, manufacturing a product that says, hey, you know, if we add this, it will yield, it will add yield to our production by X amount, but this many people are going to die. Out of that, you know, they have lawyers that will go like, well, of that projected amount, this percentage are going to, there will be litigation to sue you. Okay, crunching the numbers, it'll be this much. But if we keep it in there, you know, with the deaths and the litigation, you know, still, I think we come out ahead, you know, hypothetically. That is actually, <coughs> that's actually an even more, uh, that's even uh, a mo- less nefarious uh, version of what's actually happening yeah. because you have that and then you have somebody else in the company saying, well, what if I could get the government to guarantee that you would only Shield have me from liability? Yeah. Yeah. You then you're like a limited liability. liability. Okay, great. Now we're in the business. Yeah. Right. And so to go back to what you're saying about those numbers, if they're talking about the people that receive the vaccine and there is an adverse event rate roughly of one in 800 people, which if that doesn't say sound high to you, that is insanely high. <laughs> for an adva- adverse event ratio for something that's being doled out by pharmaceutical company. I mean, I'm not surprised, but hospitalizations from COVID are uh, like one in 20,000. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. More. I mean, the what, survival, I mean, what the, more the, information do you there's, need? There's no, there's no more debate. I mean, it's, it's a general consensus at this point that the, survivability rate of COVID is like 99.97%. I mean, I think it's even higher than that, but just do that math real quick in your head. Okay. Do I want this thing that has a one in 800 chance of hurting me? Or do I want to just take my chances, uh, at one in 20,000 from this other thing, mm-hmm. keeping in mind that just cause I get the thing that gives me the one in 800 chance of being hurt. Doesn't mean I won't get the one in 20,000 thing. It's also going to hurt. Right. Or as, right. so as, you can get the one and that will probably hurt you and you still might get the other, or you can just say, fuck it. I'm going to roll the dice and go with just the other. Okay. I mean, so how can anyone do that math and not come out thinking like there's no reason to do this? <laughs> I want to talk to you about something. You use the phrase, roll the dice. Let's revisit that real quick because what I'm saying is, okay, over here we have this, um, 
we are going to change the definition every, of around it of what a vaccine is and what herd immunity is. Um, we are going to have the world's largest propaganda campaign to try to convince you to take it. So much so that we're going to offer you, you know, free Krispy Kreme and free lottery tickets, a free beer, um, you know, because we care about your health. Like we're, we're going to sweeten the deal, you know, to really like convince you to take these things. And on the other side is this other drug. And so we, we don't, as we will quickly find out, this first drug that we're going to give you, this experiment, has an efficacy rate of 95%. It's actually 13. But let's just say it's 95. <laughs> you know, that's what it came out as, 95. On the other side, there's this other drug, right? It has an efficacy rate of 99.97%. And here's the sweet part. You don't do anything. It's All you natural to show immunity. Up. <laughs> <laughs> you just fucking go to work and go on a jog and eat some vitamins and eat a, eat a decent diet. That's all you got to do. Which one are you going to take? The second one has no negative side effects. The first one, I don't know. We never really tested it on anyone. <laughs> we'll see. Well, we didn't even know if it works, to be honest. <laughs> so to go back to that first number that you were saying is that if the traditional vaccines, quote unquote, um, if we saw adverse events of one in a million is what they're kind of, I don't know where that number came from, so I can't verify it, but he's, he's saying that's what was tr traditionally understood of the adverse events of, of other vaccines. Yeah. So if here we are with, uh, adverse events, you know, the ratio of one in a million. And so far since the vaccine court has been established, they paid out $40.2 billion in litigation, Right. That's with a one in a million adverse event. That is actually more than the Vatican Church paid out for child sex abuse, um, abuse cases. So huh. now we're looking at a possible one in 800. So the jump from one in a million to one in 800. So I don't, I'm not going to try to do that math off my head, which would be a ratio of $40.2 billion to, I mean, we're looking at, it's got to be close to a trillion dollars at this point. Do you wonder why? The U.S. government gave pharmaceutical companies shielded financial liability for this. You cannot sue them for no matter what happens to you. Do you think I'm I'm a jerk off dude in construction, and I, that makes sense to me. These guys have teams of lawyers and strategists that come up with this. You think they didn't crunch those numbers and come up with these models intentionally? They're the most libelous, or <laughs> that's not the right word. They have uh, paid more in lawsuits than any other industry. Yeah. Right. They are guilty of hurting people beyond any other industry. They are the ones that are, and that's with protection from the federal government. Right. They still have to pay more in lawsuits than any other companies. Yeah. These big pharma companies. Yeah. The Sackler family, once they were found culpable with the uh, the opioid epidemic and what they did, I mean, they paid the highest fine in corporate history. Yeah, I think it was seven, six point seven billion dollars or something like that. Yeah, they are not. Uh, they're not in this to help anybody. Yeah, except themselves. So, anyways, there will be more. I promise you, there will be more of us bringing you guys news about the fuckery that's going on with this pandemic because they're not going to let it go. Here's a question for you, Maddie. Okay, what do you think the motivation? is with this COVID regime. Do you think it's 
For the people that buy into it or the people at the top? People at the top. Okay. Do you think it was like the lockdowns and the whole, just the whole pandemic scam, the scamdemic? Mm-hmm. Do you think it was a financial thing where they needed to print a bunch of money to paper over the uh, inevitable crash mm-hmm. that was coming? Right. Do you think it's depopulation? And that that's the you know ultimate great reset uh, new world order goal mm-hmm. of it, or do you think I think I'm going to give you a third option of it's just about psychopaths wanting to increase their control over a population and be able to um, use lockdowns and use the masking and use the the vaccines just to kind of manipulate a population and just break them and and turn this world into a um, a communist uh, utopia. Uh, and you can't say all all the above. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to. <laughs> I was going to say. I'm Let's a, ask Mike what he thinks. I'm at two point five. Well, is it? Isn't there another option of? Uh, it just it, it just randomly happened like this. No. Yes. <laughs> that is an option. I'm going to give because, it to him because there's a lot. Oh, I would agree. It is an option. Yes. Say it's just the way it is. It, it all just happens yeah. to have culminated. Okay, this. that would be the blue pill option per right. our last yeah. uh, episode. Um, yeah. Where, what do you think it is, Mike? Uh, I, I, I'll say this. I think there's a lot of uh, interest looking out for themselves and trying to make the most of the situation. Well, not the situation. They're trying to make their money. They're trying to make their power, whatever it is, and it's just showing up the way it is. Man, all the above, and I know I can't say that, but... Yeah, I think it is all the above, but... What was the first one? Uh, a basically a money laundering scheme. They saw the inevitable crash coming. I've heard this from a few different uh, people that everything was looking so bad that the economy was about to crash, not and they needed an excuse to print seven trillion dollars. Right. Not so much a money laundering scheme, but as a way, as a course correction for what people much smarter than I were saw it was inevitable to come, which yeah. was a complete financial collapse. Yeah. Wow. I was going to take. Number one out. I was just going to say two and three, but yeah, I actually did. Economics is just something I'm not terribly passionate about. Um, I end up looking into it when it like dovetails into just the fuckery, you know, the general stuff that I do like looking into um, that helps explain things um, about all the money being laundered through the Ukraine, for example, and why they're using the Ukraine. And yeah, I might be a little bit of a one. I'm definitely a two and a three for sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Time will tell, but uh, when you think about it in those terms, I think it makes you kind of, um, you know, question. So, if it is two and three, then you know it makes the people that are it kind of lets people off the hook who are just <clears throat> trying to, you know, lock down to to save uh, the world because they they just didn't care about. Uh, the, the negative externalities of mm-hmm. shutting down businesses and whatnot. It's kind of like it, like it goes to, with the blue pill solution. Well, is what people had to do. But when you consider one, that the political elites were just trying to have an excuse to save 
their asses so that they didn't lose a bunch of money mm-hmm. and that they were able to print money. It just kind of adds another nefarious level to it. That, right. I don't know. Yeah, the printing money part would dovetail into I'm mixing two and three up, but the the planned demolition of our economy is being done via fiat or fiat currency, having a baseless currency and your money being worth less and less and less and less. And I think that there could be two parts to that. It, that is to cover our tracks for this. I mean, we are living in, in an unsustainable system economically. Like it's only a matter of time, right? The empire falls and I think it is falling. And I think the people saw that crash coming. I mean, we have these like mini crashes, but some of the economics economists that I listened to were saying like, we were on the verge of just like it all just gone. Like we turn into the Soviet Union. Right. What would you do if you saw that you were at that precipice and you saw that coming? Yeah. Well, we might as well print a ton of money. Right. Because in case you don't know how it works, the, the people at the top benefit from printing money. The people at the bottom pay the price right. for it. Because the first people to get that money in their hands, that money is still worth what it was worth the day before. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you what? introduce all this extra currency into the into the pot, and it it ends up that's where inflation comes from. But the inflation trickles down. The first people to touch the money are the ones that have it at its original value. It doesn't lose its value until it makes its way through the system. So, if you see the end coming, why not just go fucking yeah. nuts? Print as much money as you can. Use that money to enrich yourself, buy assets, enrich your friends. You know, and just scoop up all the value that's out there, and just. Then, then let everything collapse. Because yeah. if it collapses when you're not ready, then you 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 would potentially lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think. How do we have a system that is set up that way, where <laughs> these psychopaths at the top can just decide, "Yep, we're gonna go ahead and screw everybody. Print the money. Beep, brrr, money printer just goes burr, and they are just able to fuck us over with the flip of a switch." I'm always confused when I talk to people that. Like a lot of the people on the left that I know that are railing about taxing the rich and rich assholes, and I'll never buy off Amazon because Jeff Bezos is a rich asshole and all these rich assholes. And, and but at the same time, you want more government. And when you're talking about the system that you're talking about right now, that's crony capitalism. It's the banks and the U.S. government working in collusion with each other. And I was like, you can't you can't hate big rich bankers and love the government because they are in complete like concert with each other. You, you, they're, they're inseparable. And that's the concept of the federal reserve. What our government does is takes roughly half your shit every year, gives it to the federal reserve. The federal reserve gives it to the banks at 0% interest. And then those banks sell that money back to you. If you want to buy a house or you want to buy a car and creating, creating more money for the inflation for you know, what you're saying is printing them deciding arbitrarily, like, we need to just put $9 trillion into the economy. And all of a sudden, people are bitching, like, I just bought a loaf of bread. It cost me $8. Like, yeah, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't see that coming. But you want bigger government. You understand? Like, you are, you're, like, fucking yourself. Well, we need the government to regulate these banks and stuff. It's like, that's what they're doing. <laughs> they are regulating. They are regulating them and to the point of you starving to death. Yeah. Right. Here's how they regulate. They steal your money, then they increase the price of bread, and they shut down your business in the meantime. Yeah. You know, between those two points, and now you're and like we always say, this isn't a right versus left thing. This is a is a big bloated government thing. Here's how they regulate the banks. 
is the banks short the housing market, crash the housing market, crash your 401k, you lose your retirement, you lose your house, right? The government looks to the banks and go, I need you, I'm going to hold you guys accountable. And they go like, no, you're not. You're going to give us $700 billion, Obama. And he goes, done and done, because you're too big to fail. And the economy, the housing market slowly creeps back up, going to back, back to where exactly where it was. Yep. That's how they regulate the banks. You can't hate rich banker asshole with a yacht and want more government. It's, this too, it's a logical inconsistency. It's, they're incongruent with each other. Yeah, just because yeah, our government basically exists to enrich itself and its friends, and it's done in the guise of helping the greater good. And if you still believe that, like you just aren't paying attention. Did you see the article that uh, there's a January 6th defendant that is being uh, accused of conspiracy to kill FBI agents? No. So there's this one guy named Edward Kelly who basically he was he was questioned during the uh, the January 6th stuff and then he was let go and now they're accusing him of uh, plotting to kill FBI agents. Okay. Right? Which um, is based on this guy that says he knows him and had been communicating with him, and then another witness who's not named in the article and is being held uh, uh, anonymous. Okay. So I I don't really know what to think about it. I don't, I don't doubt that there might be somebody out there that was plotting to kill FBI officers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure that happens. Um, but I can't help but think that every time I hear something about the FBI trying to stop a terrorist plot or um, infiltrating some group, right? that they are basically just as complicit as the people in the group. I mean, <laughs> take, for example, Gretchen Whitmer. Whitmer, the Whitmer yeah. case. Exactly. After it came out, there were more feds involved than actual quote unquote defendants that they were looking at. So this article ends with this quote from FBI director for uh, director for FBI director, Christopher Ray. He said, today's allegations that individuals sought to attack and hurt or kill FBI personnel are sickening. FBI employees honorably perform their duties protecting the American public and upholding the Constitution, and they should be able to execute these duties without threats of violence. <laughs> the FBI is the world's largest criminal organization. I just started thinking, dude, really? Like, that's what the FBI is? I mean, is that what most people think the FBI is? Because... Yeah. Yeah, that is what a lot of people think the FBI is. I mean, you go back to basically the the beginning of uh, the FBI. You know, they were founded in the fifties by right. Hoover, right? Have you what was have you looked at? Uh, it, actually, I think it goes back a little bit before that. 
Have you looked at the, I hope I'm not stepping on your um, point here. Uh, I did a deep dive. I'm sure you're supporting so, it. So <laughs> they, um, their intentions were good. Their execution was a little bit off in terms of what, <laughs> no, no, they were fucking horrific, terrible people. <laughs> and J. Edgar Hoover was a well-known uh, at that time, cross-dressing pedophile. And there's a reason why these psychopaths are put into these insane positions of like diabolical, like fucked up power structures, like the head of the CIA, for example. So the head of FBI, the people that put together the FBI, right? Mm -hmm. They they found this guy, J. Edgar Hoover. They knew that he was a pedophile and he was a cross-dresser and and gay back then, which was was a huge deal. I'm talking about early 50s. Yeah. Is what that does is that puts him in a compromised position. Because, like, we're going to have you do some fucked up things. You're going to oversee some, like, really, really, like, abhorrent, morally bankrupt criminal behavior. And it's going to be organized by the state. Yeah. And you're not going to ask any questions, dude, who wears a dress and likes to sleep with the little boys. Right. Because if you do, we will ruin you. Right. So that's why you hear about all these weird-ass pedophiles and, you know, these people that come out and, like, high... Um, it's always like CIA, FBI, high levels of government. All these people were groomed and put there on purpose because they were so morally compromised. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you will do whatever we say because we can ruin. We have these photos or we have this evidence that can destroy you. Yeah, I'm guessing that's probably where you weren't going. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going. Oh, nice. Yeah, sorry. Because no, it's fine. The uh, what the with that article. I mean, just that quote from the FBI director is just so like absurd to me. Today's allegations that individuals sought to attack and hurt and kill FBI agents are sickening. FBI employees honorably perform their duties protecting on the American public and uphold the Constitution. Mm, let's ask and so, the people at Waco. Well, let's ask Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> let's ask the people. self-defeating. He who lives by the sword will perish by the sword. This is a documentary you know, from IFC Films about... Almost more satisfying than also seeing him as the opposite. About the FBI infiltrating you know, puts government documents up on the web. One has to confront them. Tapes from the hotel. The civil rights FBI movements. Those are pieces of information that we shouldn't have. The FBI was most alarmed about King because of his success. Exactly. I'm not gonna play the whole clip. Yeah. But that was the alarming part of of Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Was that he was actually, it was working what he was doing and it was stripping away their power and replacing it with power of empowered citizens, individuals. Right. right? And then you just go down the, I mean, think about all of the different stories that you've heard about the FBI's fuckery. There's this guy named Trevor Aronson who wrote a book called the terror factory. Mm -hmm. You heard of that? Yes. It was about how the FBI set out after nine 11 to uh, infiltrate Muslim extremist right. groups. So what did they actually do? They went and found Muslim people living in America. And radicalized them. And radicalized yep. them. A shocking percentage of right. the, the people that they busted or terror plots that they stopped were actually uh, created by the FBI. Mm-hmm. And Look at how many, quote-unquote, mass shooters were in extensive contact with the FBI for months, sometimes years, leading well, up to the, the horrific thing they did. Exactly. Have you heard of the uh, operation called PATCON? I have. Stands for uh, Patriot... Uh, actually, I wrote it down here. Uh, Patriot Conspiracy. 
Mm-hmm. So basically, in 1991, the FBI came up with PatCon. This, the idea being that they were going to infiltrate right-wing organizations in America. What, what year? 91. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right before Ruby Ridge. Right. And Waco. Waco. Okay. And then Timothy McVeigh. Oklahoma. Happened in 95. Yep. Um, and he did it on the anniversary of the Waco right. massacre. I don't know if you knew that, but, um, the, so officially the PATCO, uh, program ended in 93, but they say it went on even much, longer. Much like how MK ultra ended in 1973. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, it, <Tony> West. <laughs> uh, what they did in this, this operation was they hired informants and these informants were meant to either already be in these groups that they were looking at mm-hmm. or infiltrate the groups they were looking at. Yeah. And they paid these dudes. Which is weird because that's all of Patriot Front. <laughs> it's it was all just, feds. Yeah, exactly. They, the, just the glitch in the way that it all worked, it just only had informants. Pat- Patriot, Everyone in there is a paid informant. Patriot Front is like the college party. You're like, dude, we're getting, a, there's going to be so many chicks there. It's going to be awesome. And it's just all dudes. Exactly. I, I thought... Wait, no. Okay. That's so, so, exactly. so, so it's a group that's entirely made up of paid informants, except there's like one actual guy there. And then he finds out like, you all are getting paid. And he's the only one that's not getting paid by the FBI. You know what, Reg? I think we should just give this guy a job. I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of feeling bad about this. So uh, anyways, yeah, some of the guys were paid up to like a hundred grand per operation to yeah. be in this group in doing this like fucked up shit. And so a lot of them are ex military and actually, you know, were were decent people that cared about America and were actually in there doing this work to try to prevent yeah. attacks and stuff. But all of them end up realizing that what they're actually being paid to do, and this, this is a quote from one of the guys, he said that uh we were initially told the objective was to infiltrate and monitor. He would later come to understand that the real objective was to infiltrate and incite. Yeah. So what they're actually being paid to do was create these these events. I'm sure. So, it's, I'm sure it's no coincidence that you kicked this conversation off with the notion of January sixth. No, yes. definitely not. Right. Um, through the entire operation, the only conviction that they ever got was one minor conviction over stolen military night vision goggles. <laughs> and that and that information actually came from the army, not the FBI. <laughs> Fucking joke. Um, this guy, uh, this journalist from Oklahoma City said, there isn't a neo-Nazi or racist group in the country that isn't operationally controlled by the FBI. Oh, yeah. So every single right-wing conspiracy group that's out there yeah, with the exception of Liberty Tree um, <laughs> is actually being controlled by the FBI. Mike, you're still suspect. Just <laughs> Guilty by association. <laughs> so yeah, I just thought, God damn, like how dare you, you know, that, right. that paragraph from that, that last sentence from the FBI director, like how dare you? Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, I don't support people plotting to kill FBI agents. Yeah. That's, you know, or kill anyone you know, for that matter. Um, but to say that the FBI is just made up of, you know, honest, hardworking Americans that are doing right. what they can to protect their country. Give me one example of that. Yeah. 
all we have are examples of the opposite. Yeah. Every time they foil a terrorist plot, it's one that they initiated. Right. Every time they have some sort of success, it's something that they caused in the first place. And then it looks like every time we have a mass shooting or a bombing like Oklahoma City, turns out Timothy McVeigh was being monitored by the FBI the whole time. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of reports that somebody in the car with him or in the yep. van with him that we don't know about. Turns out the the whole idea of using the fertilizer in a, in a truck is a, like an old trope that the FBI, and this is, comes from one of the informants that was interviewed in this piece that I was reading off of. He said, that's just what, that was the FBI thing. That was that idea. We gave that idea to informants. Yeah. The, the Ruby Ridge thing. They gave the, the idea of selling the sawed-off shotgun to back to the FBI, which is the thing that the kicked Randy off Weaver, yeah. Randy Weaver's arrest right. warrant and everything in the first place. Like yeah. They did it. They gave him the gun to sell to them, and then they busted him for that, and he said, no, fuck you. You guys are corrupt, and yeah. we all know what happened. And then they killed that. his wife, kid, and dog. Yep. Yep. Ugh, sad. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. There are things that we uh, disagree with, and I can put my. Sometimes I can put myself in the other person's head to try to understand what their perspective is, which as a means of, I guess, like having a conversation. So the conversations I've had with people about getting vaccinated for COVID, which is not a vaccine, but I can kind of understand it. The people that are so blindly ideological that they support something like the CIA and the FBI. I just, I can't, I can't scratch the surface. I can't, I can't even like get my, I can't get the door open. It's a blue pill, right? It's bizarre. It's like, no, these are, Nope. All government's good. So if they're part of the government, then exactly. Yeah. These guys are, you know, just honest, hardworking guys that want, they devoted their lives to protecting Americans. And that's what they're doing there. It's like, okay, you, there are people out there, that are doing that, right? There are cops out there that the reason that they're doing the job of being a cop is because they really believe in protecting people's lives and property. But that is not what ends up happening. It doesn't matter how good their intentions are. This organization is wholly corrupt. And frankly, public policing in general is wholly corrupt. You can't have a public police force or a public military that's not going to end up being totally corrupt. I'm sorry. Unless you had the free market in there regulating things, this is what you're going to get every time, whether it's local police or federal police. I mean, it's just the, it's, it's the temptation. It's the evil temptation of absolute power and monopoly over violent force. Yep. Did you have something to say about January 6th? Um, Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me um, a beer. <laughs> That's my new beard. My new beard set. That's awesome. When Elizabeth Warren was running for president. Uh, That's right. I started That's following right. her. <laughs> That's right. And and uh, I started following. Follow, she was making these reels. On Instagram, I watch them. I'm like, this is the funniest thing ever because it just obviously her handler, someone got to her like, you need to run your human 2.0 program. Yeah. You should drink beer. <laughs> drink beer. What's that? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a beverage. Uh, yeah. It's, it's sparkly. And when it's, I love nothing more than when politicians 
try to do the, I'm just like you. And they try to like yeah. riff on comedy. And I don't know who created Pokemon Go. <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out how we get them to have Pokemon go to the polls. Oh! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So I was, I was like kind of randomly thinking of that Elizabeth Warren. It popped in my head. I'm like, oh, that'd be sweet for the podcast. I could, I could put that on there because anytime crap, someone cracks a beer, I could hit that. And I'm like, why is it so entertaining though? I'm like, oh, it's because, you know, career politicians, you know, political elites trying to do the, I'm just like you. Like, I, you know, I'm kind of funny and I'm personable, you know. And I thought about, what was the epitome of that? And I'm like, oh, dude, it was Hillary Clinton in the Pokemon Go to the Polls. <laughs> <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever heard. That's why they always come off so awkward. They just have no idea what it's like just to don't be try. a don't, regular don't, person. Don't, don't try. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of reminds me of when Gavin Newsom was talking about his excuses for having the uh, the French Laundry dinner. He's like, it was a- It was an early dinner. Early dinner. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, Never mind. That makes sense. Sorry. And like in his mind, he's like, that'll that'll get through. People understand because because <laughs> what the regular people? I don't know. It's so when so, I was I was bringing up something problem. that we were talking about earlier, and and that we were talking about on the last podcast that how we kind of hit things kind of late. Sometimes that's by design. Sometimes that's just because we just don't care. And then we find something, an element in there that does make it like interesting for us, for example. Mm -hmm. And then you brought up the ER physician, what he was seeing. And I'm like, yeah, it's good to hear this guy say this, but we've been kind of saying this for quite a while. And then the Pfizer blood clot connection. I think he has a little bit more credibility than we do. (laughs) Yeah. But that's my point though. I mean, here we are just kind of riffing, drinking beers on my porch and just talking Don't about see, told you. <laughs> and then when someone who actually does know what they're talking about and someone with some semblance of authority says it, we're like, awesome. I was like, but you know, we have, we were saying this and we were guessing it. We didn't know for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that, a good way to which, put it. Yeah. It would be irresponsible for me to say that we knew cause we didn't. And <clears throat> it's the reason why I want to clarify that is that the people that were giving us information that all fucking turned out to be wrong were saying that they knew. Like, no, we know that the vaccine is this. We know that COVID mm-hmm. is this. We know that the transmission rate is this. We know we need to close down schools. We right. know that masks work. And we were just kind of guessing. Like, I just I just don't buy it. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I walk in my front door. I don't think this is, I don't, I, I think they're, they're, they're wrong. Yeah. And what we always say is, you know, what's the track record of these people? So we're, People are still taking their inform, getting their information from these people, which includes which includes the corporate media complex. It's the exact same people because they are, they work with each other. They propel these narratives together, and it's like what we say, whether it's COVID or climate change or whatever hot button issue you want to talk about. Like, I don't understand this blind ideology. Like, why are you listening to these people now? We're just the people going like, I don't know. Well, you see, they're wrong about that thing. Okay, I'm just guessing they're wrong about this. They're, okay, they were wrong about that thing. Like, okay, what, what's next? No, I just, I'm not going to believe it. And these people will say, like, no, no, do you see on the news, you see what the CDC said and the WHO and the NIH and what Fauci said and Rochelle Walensky? We're like, yeah, but I'm, they've been wrong every with everything else they said. There's two things. It's stupid or a liar. They're wrong or they're fucking corrupt. They're wrong on purpose. And then this, we, what do we call it? The, like the, the degree of presentism. 
people say like, no, I th- they got it right. Like this time. And all we say is like, yeah. just, can you, can you explain that to me? Just, I, I just want to, I'm trying to understand your thinking. Like I'm wide open. Convince me though. Just tell me like why they're right this time. And we never get that question answered. So that was a very <laughs> long path to take. And when we talk about, we were poking fun of ourselves about the, um, being like late to the game on all these things, you know, with like what we consider to be like current events, you know, that's why I did this ironic, you know, breaking news segment because we're going to get there late, but I think we're going to get it right every time. So (laughs) very responsible reporting. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I revisited, uh, some, I was looking through the news today. I was like, let's see what the, um, what the corporate media complex is saying, like right now, like what are they kind of, um, you know, reporting as fact or whatever. And so many of the things I saw in the news, I'm like, I, that's, that's like, that's breaking news to you guys. From the source who told us they provided it to the FBI Hunter under Biden's subpoena. Laptop. They're saying it's, and we it's real, as it turns out. an independent forensic review to determine its authenticity. When is this from? Senior investigative <laughs> correspondent Catherine Harris joins us now with what we found. Catherine, I'm very interested. Good morning. Good morning, CBS. Tony. These House Republican investigations are coming, and that could be a challenge for the White House as we head into 2023 and 2024. The laptop data we had analyzed showed no evidence it was faked or tampered with. <laughs> That's what they're talking about. That's, no? That's breaking news. So I got I to gotta give it up to, this is roughly 770 days after the New York Post, which is the nation's oldest newspaper, was bro- broke this story and was censored in mm-hmm. complete collusion with you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all mainstream media. Like you 17 could, uh, agencies of the government said that it was Russian disinformation. Yeah. And that's something when I saw, because we just checked, I think you do what I do. I checked just tons of just alternative independent media sources. Like all, no given ideology. Just like, I want to see what normal people are saying. Cause I don't trust anyone on the CNN or Fox or MSNBC or, you know, NPR. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing about the Hunter by like literally watching the videos. So I'm like, holy shit, you see this? And CNN and Twitter, and everyone's saying, like, no, it's fake news. It's Russian collusion. I was like, yeah, but I'm watching the videos, though. I'm actually like, watching how the deep of a fake is it? Yeah. I right. mean, unless someone just did some like genius shit and figured this out. So, um, another, another piece of breaking news. I wonder if I should keep, yeah, let's, let's keep doing it. Is, um, <laughs> so, so more breaking news. <laughs> This just broke uh, just this last week. And that is that researchers I added that. <laughs> that uh, breaking news five, five days ago, this is from the Washington Times, that researchers from Equal Health Alliance now say that it's really looking like the that COVID leaked from a Chinese lab. <laughs> this, this came out this week. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's like I we- actually I had to have someone explain to me in the very beginning because I don't watch. I watch corporate media stuff or look at it to just check. Like I'll I'll see something. I'm like, okay, it looks to me like this is what's going on here, and so I'll cross reference it with you know CNN for example mm-hmm. or Huffington. Puffington Post is the best. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, what's their spin on it? I mean, if you, it's it's embedded in forty articles about January sixth, but you'll eventually you'll eventually find what you need <laughs> right. to find. Well, the lab leak theory is continuing to gain momentum, and there are now concerns Dr. Anthony Fauci lied when he was under oath while speaking at Senate in July. Newly released documents obtained by The Intercept show the National Institute of Health directed a grant of $3.1 million to the US health organization EcoHealth Alliance. Dr. Fauci is the director of National Institute of Allergy That's and exactly Infectious Diseases. That's exactly what Rand Paul was saying, grilling him on. And then Fauci went on like 60 minutes or something to say what a victim he was. Yeah. That, he, that was when he said that he was truth and he was science. Yeah. Questioning him was questioning science. So... What they don't say in this report, and like I did some kind of independent research, and I don't want to get like over my skis here and kind of run the ball down the field too much, but they're also saying, I mean, this is kind of mainstream media. They're also saying that this, you know, Chinese lab that EcoHealth is talking about, it looks like it might be that same Institute of Virology in Wuhan. Oh really? Yeah, I th- they think that that might be the lab. Is that the, right? The lab they're talking about. Oh, yeah, c- really shocking. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. You know, the one working on, um, you know, gain of function research mm. of the exact coronavirus that leaked. Did they also funded by the U.S. through yeah. Anthony Fauci? <laughs> Did they also find evidence that Anthony Fauci was funding that re- research? Yeah, yeah, probably a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, they didn't outright say that. Yeah, I big mean, time. Yeah, he he definitely, you know, funding. I mean, it's not, I don't think he's that high up. Well, I'm look. he is the highest paid employee in U.S. government history, um, whose net worth almost doubled to $12.6 million during the pandemic. But other than that, I don't think there's like a whole lot of correlation between yeah. him and that lab. Well, he's a public other, servant. Other than the fact that he was all the funding for gain of function research for the coronavirus, for which is what escaped from the lab, all went through him. Other than that, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a stretch, gotta admit. Yeah. I pay my servants that well, actually. Do you? Yeah. For public service? Private service. Private service. (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's what I'm getting at is I don't want you to feel bad. Like we have full jobs, full time jobs, we have families, we still have a you know, a pretty decent track record of getting to things in like somewhat of a timely manner, you know that are important to us. We find an issue. It's like, yeah. we'll get there. Uh, I don't think there's any value in being first because who's first is always ends up being wrong. And we tend to let the kind of dust settle. I mean, we talk a lot of shit. We get a lot of shit wrong, you know, but our track record's pretty decent. And then, you know, when you think about the fact that we're just two guys with laptops going up against a multi-billion dollar corporate media industry, which 70% comes from ad, gener- ad review generating from pharmaceutical companies, by the way. We still managed to get to some of these things in a pretty timely manner compared to the rest of these people. I mean, 
just a little bit. I'm checking the dates. Yeah. Two fucking years after we are talking about this stuff, you guys say it's official and it's it's decided fact at this point. You know that they do it just because this whole time they're figuring out, all right, eventually we got to come clean on this. What's our out? Yep. What's our angle out? And it and they finally figure it out. And I don't know what that is yet, but then, okay, we can start admitting the truth. We've separated ourselves from this guy. We've backpedaled on this. Like, okay, we can finally right. lay the truth because we can't, God forbid, we do it in the beginning or when we know it or actually be objective and re- report what we see, do investigative journalism, actually look and dig into stories. No, we're just going to repeat the narrative given to us by the political elites on top. And then, uh, maybe we'll backpedal it two years from now. Yeah. So I would squeeze in this last thing because all this stuff, you start to tie in all these things because these stories all kind of interrelate with each other. Are you guys following the Twitter files at all? Mm-hmm. So this all ties back into the Twitter files that journalist Matt Tibi, who is an excellent independent independent journalist, and when people ask me like, "Well, where are you getting your information?" Well, the bulk of my information comes from independent journalists, people that left the corporate media complex. Like this, I, I don't want anything. I can do my own thing, and luckily they are in a time where we have all these alternative media platforms. You know, I mean, anywhere from Instagram to Twitter to Rockfin to Rumble, YouTube's dog shit. Don't use YouTube. Um, shoot odyssey it's like people can just basically i'm gonna have my own news company i can do it out of my house you know with this much money a month i can totally pull it and it's subscriber based so if my pro my product is dog shit I, it just won't make any money it's it's a perfect connection to the free market it's brought it back t- to a smaller scale and whereas i can like you bring a good product we will give you money for it and we're not going to go through these other channels you know what i mean not no pun intended so Matt Tabby has been the guy that has been dumping all the Twitter files about the Hunter Biden laptop scandal has gone through him. He's just doing these giant like file dumps of all the Twitter. Are you guys following well, this the, at all? Well, the Twitter dumps are landing on his desk. Yeah. And then he's writing about it. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's basically doing screenshots. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, it's very interesting to read. I don't go 100% like, this is it. That's what happened. You know, this is, could very true be contrived or fabricated or, or altered. You know what I mean? You, you have to be skeptical about, skeptical about anything that you see these days, especially we're all seeing this on digital platforms. You know, we're not, what do they call it, uh, primary source material. Like, we don't have access to that. Like, we're going through um, the journalistic integrity of Matt Taibbi, who so far... Going yeah, back to the I, track I, record, I, I buy. I right. think that, right. yeah, it has to be because all this stuff's going to be dumped on the public eventually. Yeah. And people are going to be able to go back and say that what his reporting was was wrong. So I I would say there's a pretty good chance that what he's reporting on is 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, again, I base that on a track record. I'm like, he has been at least honest or completely right on everything that I've seen that he's published. What's interesting is that when you take a few minutes and you look up the way the thi- the way that people like Matt Taibbi, um, James Lindsay, Laura Logan, Barry Weiss, Brett Weinstein, Eric Weinstein, the way that they are demonized and just destroyed in the media, like with hit pieces written on them or the things that people talk about, the, you know, the pe- things that people say about them on Twitter, it really stood out to me. And I kind of like looked at what, what, what are some of the commonalities I'm seeing between some of these people? Because that list that I just made right there, I'm like, hey, I look at everything, all the content that these people produce, and it is very, in my mind, very accurate, 
It's very well done. It's very like they don't they never seem to have a narrative. They seem to be like the last bastion of like honest journalism, which is just mm-hmm. such a dying industry right it's now. It's such a threat. Yeah. And what they all have in common is that these people were all from the left. Hmm. They all came from the left on their own accord because things were heading so far down this weird, bizarre cultural Marxist road. And they were, or the mob turned on them. So they are either rooted, rooted out people like Eric and Brett Weinstein, or they left on their own accord. Like someone like Laura Logan or Matt Taibbi, or Barry Weiss. She's, you guys. So Barry Weiss and, for example, Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi are like Rolling Stone, you know, the far right radical fringe mm-hmm. <laughs> magazine. They're said like, you guys aren't doing journalism anymore. You're doing a narrative. Like you have decided, you've become Vice Magazine or Huffington Post. Like you used to do this thing and, and you just don't do it anymore. I think a lot of this dovetails back to last episode when we say like just Trump broke people's brain and was like, all right, t- putting all the chips into one basket. Like we can't, we can't afford to be on in the middle like anymore. So these people all left and they created their own independent you know, journalist platforms on all these like alternative media platforms that we talk about. And I think it really made it stand out to me is that I think this is why these people are so viciously attacked. Like it is insane. The woke mob came after them and they come after them worse than they come at the right. And the reason why is because they left the party. And it's like, mm. you can't leave that ideology like they will come after you way worse than they will like against the right. That could very well be. Yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I think it's absolutely true. I yeah. was like looking at some of this stuff. So the amount of like vitriol and absolute hate these people receive from the, this woke mob, I mean, it's astounding. And I think the reason why that is, this is, I'm just kind of editorializing at this point, is that by these people, these like, they're very obvious, like high level intellectuals, high level journalists, like extremely intelligent, informative people who produce a lot of content, you know, podcasts and articles and, you know, their own web shows and, you know, getting published all, all over the place is them leaving that ideology is the woke mob goes like, that is what they're doing is putting on display that like, there's something broken here. Yep. Our narrative is broken. Our, our system is corrupt. You know, um, we are part of, we're, we're experiencing like a systemically like broken system and all the really smart people go like, we're going to go to another party. Like, this party sucks. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's why they're so viciously attacked. As New York officials are now urging people to start wearing masks up again, since we've seen an uptick in cases and we're seeing a rise in flu cases as well, and hospitals that are starting to get uh, uh, more busy and busier through this holiday season. Do you think that Americans and New Yorkers will start putting their masks on, though, after they haven't for so many months? Yeah, I I think so. I think the framework, though, has to be one of individual protection. So I was rounding in the hospital today seeing patients, and I saw multiple COVID patients, multiple flu patients, even someone with something called metanumovirus, which is another respiratory infection that travels around this time of year. And I think as people see just how much virus there is out there this time of year, you know, when you're in a public place and you're surrounded by strangers, Throwing on a mask for, you know, 30 minutes while you go shopping is not too much to ask just to protect yourself. Even if you're a healthy person, you know, being sick for a week or two with flu or COVID is not fun. No, it's not. But I have to tell you, just from watching people here in the city, I don't see many people walking around in masks yet. Now, that could change in the next few weeks. While we have you, let me ask you about another...